0: From worlds beyond, to right at the gaming table, these are all my fantasy children! Hey, Jeff! Hey, Aaron! Welcome all to All My Fantasy Children. My name is Aaron Kitano-Sayez. And my name is Jeff Stormer. This is All My Fantasy Children. It's a character creation, storytelling, and world building podcast, where each week Jeff and I tell you the secret to Big Mac's secret sauce.
1: We do, we do. And and the real the real secret to the secret sauce no. is that every single week uh McDonald's and yeah, we're spit we're 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 naming names, we're going straight to the top because we speak the truth to power on this podcast. Yeah. This is about real people saying real things to real brands and organizations. So at McDonald's on Twitter, listen him, to Jeff. this. Yo, The get Secret to McDonald's secret sauce. I'm about to drop it is that every week they take one of your listener prompts and they create a tabletop character and they use the magic of that creativity as they are mixing together pickled juice, ketchup, mayo. Whoa,
0: whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> is that actually what McDonald's secret sauce is? It's basically Thousand Island dressing. I thought it was Thousand Island dressing, which is uh, ingredients from 1,000 different islands. <laughs> it,
1: is. it is technically ingredients from a 1,000... But the thing is,
0: it's some kind of witch's brew. Like seven
1: hundred of those (laughs) islands make ketchup. Two (laughs) hundred and forty-five of those islands make mayonnaise. Like they don't tell you that a lot of those islands make the same four or five ingredients.
0: So wait, all okay, okay, Jeff. All this time, I've been paying one thousand dollars per fluid ounce of Thousand Island dressing. When in reality, it's three over the counter, over the counter, like it's medicine ingredients from like Sea Town.
1: it is three over the counter ingredients, the secret one being Krusty's uh child safe cough syrup. You put it in, you light it on fire, it does the first trick, you don't go blind.
0: Jeff, these are deep cuts. If someone's <laughs> new to this show, I know it's been a while since we did an episode proper, but like if someone's new to this show they're gonna be like, This is this is terrible.
1: <laughs> well then why don't we get to the actual show? Aaron, do we have a prompt this week? Wada, wada.
0: Yes we do have an actual prompt.
1: Well Well Aaron, do we have a prop this week?
0: Well, Jeff, we know actually. Hold on, let me hold on me... Dan, who is this is that Dan Rather or Walter Cronkite?
1: <laughs> sort of slipping in between the two. Hold on, I'm
0: some kind of Frankenstein creature shuffling in between two humans. This is a
1: podcast in which every week we take two beloved American icons of journalism and Uh, we stitch them together into a Frankenstein monster. What
0: have you done to me, Jeff and Alan? This is some kind of horrible torture. Please, end me. And the way to end him...
1: (laughs) Is to create a tabletop character using uh, some delightful character props. (laughs) Yes, and the...
0: I'm so sorry, Jeff. This intro's you serious
1: you sit down, franken franken newscaster, <laughs> ah. okay,
0: so the prompt this week that will create our fantasy character is from Twitter user Mariella Lynn, and the prompt is an elf who keeps outliving his friend's sad face,
1: okay, all
0: right, okay, so one, I immediately think this is an immortal.
1: no, they're definitely an immortal, and the thing is it would because it, the thing is it would be easy. To say that all of his friends are getting killed or dying, like, unnaturally.
0: Oh, yeah, but that like we don't have to do that. We just have to well, out- that's what live. I mean. it's yeah. way more
1: it's way more interesting to me. It is way more narratively interesting to me if they are outliving their friends, if their friends are dying of natural causes and they and they are it is not just one group of friends. It is several generations of friends dying of natural causes because this person is so long-lived and so immortal and it continually is in society. I don't want to make them necessarily a recluse.
0: No, no. It's someone who's like – I'm thinking – okay. So there's, a, there's of a course, like a Square Enix game that I think of, and it's called Lost Odyssey where you play as this guy named Kaim. And it's about like – you you basically, at one point, like, you get little glimpses of your memory of who you were, like, through different lives and different times. This is just someone who, unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, is immortal. They cannot die of natural causes. Mm-hmm. And they just constantly outlive people. And they, you know, they live life after life with mortal companions, whether yeah. it be, like, you know, significant others or friends or children, you know, things like mm-hmm, that, where mm-hmm. they just outlive everyone they've ever come in contact with. So I want to say, let's start at the beginning. Yeah. Uh How did they become immortal? Hmm. Is it some kind of... Are they, it's just born that now, born that way is boring.
1: Yeah, I, it's gotta be, there's gotta be a hook, right?
0: Do you think it's some kind of stream? You know, do they drink from something? Do they eat something? Is it an item? Is it something they have? Like, as long as they wear this ring, they are immortal. Hmm. Or is it something that happened to them as a child? Because if it's vampire rules for immortality, you know, you're locked in that age, you know what I mean? Forever, yeah, yeah, yeah. like Edward Cullen. Uh but if it's not that it's like you peak at adulthood like you know you peak at 25 and you stay 25 forever.
1: I think I think they ter- I think it's vampire rules. I think okay. it is they they are they are trapped at the age they vi- they are visually the age in which they were Let me throw something at you. Uh-oh. Exposed to the raw untapped power of one of the ley lines.
0: Oh. God damn. There are
1: magical ley lines that run below the surface of the, of the earth. Uh, they power all things. These are the source of all magic in the cosmos. Being exposed to one of these like directly, like perhaps they were some sort of explorer or something and came across a place where the ley line was exposed. Ooh,
0: I have an image for that. I have a thought. So I'm seeing either. uh, So moon crescent. This is an elf. Right, sure. They're in the ocean. Say, swimming or diving. Let's say they're diving. They're treasure hunting. You know, like, just looking for... You know how you go on the beach and you beach comb?
1: I, I would like to specifically posit if they are diving that they are wearing an old-timey diving suit. Oh, with such, the big helmet? With the big helmet, as, as like, such that you have seen in an episode in episodes of Scooby-Doo.
0: Perfect. So, that changes the image, too. They are not diving. They are walking on the bottom of the ocean. Say, they're pretty far out. Mm-hmm. Uh, This elf... His name is what's a it's got to be a real good name if they're immortal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or it's real terrible and that's what's kind of funny.
1: Well, I think it changes every generation, right? Oh, fuck. You're what, right. What the what the referring to perhaps the definitive piece of media regarding immortals? The 1987 film Highlander starring Christopher Lambert and Sean Connery. Oh, and Immortal has to change his name every generation because people will catch on that he is immortal, and then people will come for him to cut his head off.
0: That is fair. Okay, we don't so
1: have to include the back half of that. That's pretty specific to the yes. Highlander universe.
0: Yes. So we can say that like, this is this is the name that we'll refer to this yeah. person as. Um, their name is something good in Elfie. Yeah. um hmm what is a great diving term uh what's like a unit of pressure
1: uh that's a very good question that i know the answer to and i'm not just stalling so i can look it up okay but while, while i'm thinking pascal is the term for a unit of pressure
0: okay so their last name is pascal pascal i'm just gonna google diving terms i'm on talk like a scuba I've, diver I've,
1: I've got i've actually got a name okay Pascal Fathoms.
0: Oh, F. That's, okay. So Pascal Fathoms is in his diving suit, Mm -hmm. walking on the bottom of the ocean. He's far out. He's with a friend, like his old diving buddy, whose name is, like, doesn't matter, Scoots. Uh, God damn it.
1: Scoots McGuffin, sure.
0: Scoots McGuffin and Pascal, they're, what are they looking for? They're just looking for treasure.
1: They are treasure hunters, and I think furthermore, I kind of like the idea that like they're not especially this is this was not a quest for them.
0: No, no, this is like an afternoon.
1: Well and and what I mean is that like they are not here they are not searching for any particular like magical treasure.
0: Oh, absolutely not. They
1: are just purely capitalist Yeah like, finding pearls that we can hawk on a market.
0: Yes. My, my first thought is that, um, it's commonplace in Moon Crescent to, we can say that, um, you, you look for shipwrecks. It's -hmm. like a, it's like a common hobby. The same way that people have metal detectors here, you know, in our world, maybe in fantasy, there are that many people combing the oceans for, like, shipwrecks and, you know, like, lost cargo and things like that.
1: Let me put a spin on that. Please do. Uh, We have established that there is an old moon crescent Ooh. in the days before the nocturne, when the city was frozen in ice uh, and and subsequently rebuilt. Why? Like they can just what? What about if they're just relic hunters? and, And that is what the industry is, is any piece of the world that was before everything changed
0: i'm into this so much because that can mean they're hunting for technology they're hunting for like anything has worth then like historical documents yeah clothing like any evidence of what that world was oh sick
1: but maintaining the idea that these are not there are people searching for that for altruistic reasons yeah these two guys are looking for this to make a buck
0: okay so Pascal is walking on the bottom mm-hmm. and I'm seeing this as sort of, does the the rope get cut or is it just like exposed to a geyser? Because what my first cool thought is, every time that we've kind of had like the ley line kind of like, it like talks, it can mm-hmm. talk, you know, the def- based on like whatever five it is. So I'm thinking like a figure appears to Pascal under the water and it's like, maybe it's just like a seal, like a really, oh, I got it. It's like a – it's a moonfish. You know what a moonfish looks like? They're like a cartoon. A really beautiful, like pearlescent, if that's a word, glowing moonfish just appears and is like kind of gesturing, like swirling in a circle, like follow me, follow me. And Pascal's walking like this is magic. I have to follow this. This is cool. Or something's calling to Pascal. Falls into what? Like a geyser or like an – under, ooh, an underwater river.
1: Yeah, that's pretty like, cool. And then gets, like, dragged away.
0: Yeah, dragged away. The cable breaks. Yep. And is pulled into this underground, uh, like, antechamber where there stands before Pascal—what was it? Fathoms? Fathoms. He's just a normal guy. Like, there's nothing—he's not a hero. He's kind of like a heel. There's nothing really special, yeah, you know? Yeah, he's
1: not—he's not terrible. No. But he's just kind of a jerk. Like, yeah. he's just—he's a, a—he's a low-rent con man.
0: yes. And he's faced before the heart of the ley line, and it stands before him, right? And what? Just, like, gives him a little kiss, and he's immortal? You know what I mean? Like, if I you're standing just, before, like, the power of the earth?
1: I think it just—I think he's dragged into it. Oh. And is torn apart, atom for atom, and then reassembled, kind of— I'm thinking, like, kind of without purpose or meaning.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. This isn't, like, symbolic. It simply was, like, the ley line just kind of, like, whatever led him there was either having fun or just, like, it doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah. And it's just, like, he was torn apart, Adam for Adam, reassembled, and just kind of washed up on the shore. Uh-huh. And then never aged another day.
0: Okay. So what is his life? You know what I mean? Like, okay, my question for you. This is this is a big question for you. When he wakes up on the shore, my idea is it is not the same time period as when he went down. I'm into that. He wakes up like a hundred years later or something. You know the the scenery. It's you know it's not like the future, but yeah, I'm like into the that. scenery is different. The plants are a little more overgrown than when he when he left, and just something's off. Like he's been laying on the beach for like 150 years.
1: No, I'm into that. And let me let me let me pitch you something
0: yes please uh
1: because we've talked about what the future of the world of fantasy looks like a few times yes so this is sort of in the the john pierre crystal grim Ooh, we're stepping it up we're kicking it up a notch the ley lines are gone and dead and he has by so in so in essence he died and then when the ley lines dried up his essay, his body was just sort of like dumped because he wasn't really part of the ley line.
0: Yeah, he got like puked out, like rejected. Like his baboon heart was rejected. Basically. Um, Simpson's reference. Uh so now what? You know, we have so he's immortal. Okay, let's do this real quick. Who was he before that diving expedition? Like what is his what is his life leading up to that point? Just born in Moon Crescent, you know, getting by. By... Is, is he part of the information game?
1: I don't think so. I think he's part of the... I think he's a relic hunter, but not an especially good or glamorous one.
0: Why? Like, what had got him into this?
1: Um... I have a quick thought.
0: Get me. So, I think as a kid, Pascal is sitting in Moon Crescent, like, on a dock, right? I think he spent most of his life by the water. Like, water is a part of his life. Mm-hmm. Like, the coast is his life. He grew up in the coastal section of Moon Crescent, just is has a little has always had a little family house by the water always chilling on the beach so what i'm seeing is he's sitting there maybe with you know a relative a, a distant rel- not a distant relative he's sitting with an elder relative like a grandfather or something and he shows him something that he's found on like a dive i'm thinking diving is a part of his family history where like they're all divers they're all treasure hunters because this is something you said he does for money, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's not a great person. So I'm thinking in his family, they're like restoration people. They're historians. They're doing this to kind of gather pieces of old moon crescent to, like, educate and, like, to help prevent future generations from, like, making the same. You know what I mean? Kind of like a, hey, this is what moon crescent used to be like. We can do better than this information war. You know what I mean? Th- yeah. This sucks. What's going on now? That's That was the Fathoms family.
1: We are right. That makes sense.
0: And now he, you know, generations pass, he grows up. He's not really into that. He just wants to make a quick buck. He sees that these relics are expensive. You know, they can be bought and sold for a profit. So him and a friend just start going out, you know, he starts making his living by selling this to, we'll say he sells it to other families to like maybe bury secrets. Cuz if you yeah. were to find like the ancient house Rosalia blade and it has like the blood of somebody else's family on it that's worth a fortune so he's in the he's in that kind of like smuggling game
1: yeah and it's i think it's it's that's the glamorous part of like that's the exciting part of this but i think day to day there's also just a lot of you know hey i found this cool hat
0: oh yeah no it's tremendously boring
1: which i think makes it very exciting when he wakes up essentially in the post-apocalypse and lives forever, and is like has to figure out like a new way of living.
0: So he has to figure out. Okay, <clears throat> so we did say at the beginning he's outlived all his generations. Is this all it means? Is he's just been asleep on the beach for like a thousand years, or can we can go back and change it? He can still be in the post-apocalyptic present, but I want to figure out how we get there. It's just, just everyone I've ever known is dead type situation.
1: Yeah, we can we can we can we can veto the post-apocalypse present. Or uh, we have a few options. Let me throw all of them at you. Yes. We could just cold say that he doesn't wake up in the post-apocalypse present, that he just wakes up in a later version of fantasy that isn't quite that far out. Okay. We can also say that he wakes up in the post-apocalypse and then also outlives several generations of people in that world. Hmm. I had two. There were two options. I made it sound like I had a lot more.
0: What I'm thinking of, like, the the connecting thing is if his fa- if he rejected the ways of his family, right, which mm-hmm. are preservation and education, how can he spend generations either doing that or... Like, what is his quest? Like, what does he want? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I tried to figure out what he wants when he's, you know, in the present, we'll call it, which is money. You know, what does he want? What is his life? Is it... He just lacks... He just wants money, you know, he just wants to get by. He doesn't have a lot of ambition.
1: See, for me, I think it's... I, I really like that he doesn't have ambition in the old life.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: And then when he wakes up, he suddenly has... A much larger ambition.
0: I know. I dig that. I was curious on what it is, though, in the future. So when he wakes up, he wants something.
1: I have a pitch. Awesome. What if it's waking up in the future that makes him suddenly understand his family's, like, it makes him understand the family business?
0: I I was hoping for that. I was just trying to figure out a way to phrase it. Where you wake up and, like, the post-apocalypse, everything is what you know is gone, And even Moon Crescent might not – maybe is gone or just completely – maybe it's like a factory or something. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh my god, I have to – we have to figure out how to restore it to what it was? Or perhaps he has to go back down and find what is now his Moon Crescent in the water.
1: Yeah, I think it's that. And he's trying to – he's trying to rebuild the – he's trying to find the history – of his of his past he's trying to find the world that he left behind one artifact at a time and i think i'd like to add a slightly sinister bent to that
0: yes please
1: he wants to rebuild a history in which he was in which he was greater and more heroic than he ever actually was in the present
0: okay now it's getting juicy because up to this point i'm like okay what does this person want you know their motivations aren't really too strong but now we have an asshole Yes, we've a little bit of a heel. We have Pascal Fathoms, who, to sum up what we've just discussed, because it's been a little, not scattered, but diver, goes diving, experiences the ley line, we'll call it, gets spit out in the future. Does he know, does he think he time-traveled, or does he know that he's just been alive for that long? Okay, my question, this is my pitch for you, Jeff. Hit me. He wants a world... Where he is what more important? Yeah. He wants
1: to he wants to recon he wants to build a history, but he wants to build a hist like a fictional history in which he is uh more important.
0: My question for you is you said that um what is it, a Highlander has to change his name every generation? Yeah. To this point where, you know, future Pascal, has every generation been wiped from his memory that he's lived and he has to rediscover them?
1: That's pretty cool.
0: Does that work?
1: I think so. I think if so. He, if he just, like, wakes up, that's pretty cool.
0: Yes. Like, this has happened before, and this is just the one we're kind of concentrating on. When he wakes up in the post-apocalypse, has no memory of what's happened, and kind of has to piece his past together while also fabricating it. Oh, is that, is that not good? This is hard. This is a hard one cuz now we're playing with time travel. Hmm. This is a hard one to make him have any kind of quest is challenging.
1: Well, let me let me throw this quest at you. Cuz I I like I'm look like, I am seeing a pretty a pretty cool and complicated moral quest. All right. Imagine imagine you had lived a life of relative Insignificance. And you kind of knew it was insignificant. Like, you were getting by, and to your mind, getting by was fine. And then you wake up a hundred years in the future and are confronted with the historical evidence that not only does no one, like, know your name, but, like, there's just no. You left nothing behind. Okay. Now imagine you had the opportunity and the skill set, both the ability to hustle people and to recover pieces of history. That you could rebuild a history and position yourself in the present and the past that you were someone that you had left behind more than you had.
0: I dig it. That makes a lot more sense. Delete everything! No, but that makes a lot more sense that we have someone who is just kind of trying to make up for, you know, a level of, uh, like, almost insecurity
1: Yeah, he's he's that's insecurity is exactly the right. And I think it was extreme security that has now been exposed as a front for insecurity.
0: Okay, so that gives me just a little bit more a little detail about who this person is. So fathoms. uh, I'm gonna say that the the fathoms family, right, right back in the back in what we'll call the present right, in fantasy, was, like, was, like, one of the upper echelon families. This was maybe the historical family. You know what I mean? Maybe, Mm -hmm. like, you can trace back their lineage to, like, working with Nymphaealakis on, like, documenting her reign, documenting like, the history of the city. This family is responsible for it. So this is sort of like a prince. You know, this Mm -hmm. is someone who's, like, royalty. Yeah. But chose to not go down that road and kind of just be like kind of like i'm seeing like a socialite almost like you know what i mean you don't you don't do it you just milk the money and you milk yeah. the influence and yeah. you kind of live like a really cool life of not doing anything and then you learn that the skills that you've taught you've been taught from your family and like what you're supposed to keep doing as like the heralds of history you know maybe it was passed to him to like all right, now you are the person who's supposed to document fantasy and he's like, "Sure." And starts using that to gain like, you know, becomes corrupt, starts selling that information to other families, so it's not like a it's not a party that's like for la- like bipartisan, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not a neutral party anymore. Yeah, History yeah, yeah. is getting warped by other houses with him in charge and then he wakes up in the future.
1: Yeah, and he wakes up and suddenly suddenly he is aware of the 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 duty that his family had like the cer the job that his family had is suddenly painfully suddenly painfully present to him yeah and he kind of has to struggle with the fact that he wants to do this noble calling but he has been nothing but purely selfish for his entire life
0: so that's a tough pill to swallow and also it tells me that this world, like we said, a hundred years. But you know our history; it could be like a million. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't know the history of the elves. Yeah, you know, it could. The city could be gone and somewhere else at this point. Yeah, <clears throat> because if he is, if it's become, you said it's become very aware to him, like his family's history and their work with documentation. That means it's no longer in existence.
1: Yeah, it means he has to he has to rebuild everything.
0: Oh, my God. Okay, so that's his quest. Where does one start if you can't die? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How does the immortality play into this? Hmm. Does it not? Because he said the prompt is he keeps outliving his friends. Hmm. Yeah, that's the part that keeps tripping me up. Where, like, it's this story of someone who outlives their friends, right? And it's become this thing of someone who has to, you know, rebuild the oral tradition of history and, like, the written tradition of history-keeping, record-keeping, in a world without magic and without hope and light. How uh, do we meld those together?
1: I think the—I the, the I think for me, the Occam's razor answer is that this takes an impossibly long time.
0: Okay.
1: So he has to basically— He has to basically, the first, so where he starts is he has to, like, effectively Nick Fury his way around the world, like, seeking out people that he thinks can help him rebuild history. You know, finding people who could be scholars, finding people who could be, who could be, like, great writers, and finding them and bringing them together. Basically forming, like, an, like, a history research, like, a research institute. Yes. And putting them to work and using his skills to like go out and find artifacts and being like, okay, use your skills to figure out what this was and how it fit into history. And it just takes generations. And he is the one constant of like, you know, people will grow old and retire and die. And he is still out there like relentlessly, desperately doing this job.
0: Okay. This is giving me a very cool thought. It's a big picture thing. It's big-ish picture. So, what this sounds like is one of those old, like, Grecian fables, basically, about, like, punishment. Mm -hmm. You know, like, he's burdened with this task of retelling history. It's like, but how? You can't die. Let me give you a pitch for Magic. Pitch me. Back in fantasy back in the day when he's just out in his boat it's like a luxury diving vessel you know he has the finest equipment he's harvesting all these relics and selling them for a profit total piece of shit we said a moonfish appears to him as he's walking along the water right and it's like come here hey come here and we said that like why would the ley line do this and he falls into an underground river the thing is Jeff he was not exposed to the ley line He was exposed to the chrono flow. Dusk Seabreeze has burdened him with this. I'm seeing this as a punishment. Okay. I'm seeing,
1: is that, does that work? No, I think that's, I think that's cool. I think, yeah, I think that's awesome.
0: I'm seeing he was like lured into this. Like, you know, the unseen eye is watching, seeing you be a total piece of shit. And not that the unseen eye like judges and stuff like that. It's not some kind of like judgment thing. But just sort of was like, no, this is not how this is going to go, nudges the needle in one direction, lures him down, 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 and sort of, you know, once I think he's ingested the chrono flow, like, he cannot die. He defies time. And then his burden then is to make amends. Like he, I'm I'm seeing this as like this is a story that's told to. It sounds mm-hmm. like a fable.
1: Yeah, this sounds. This feels like this is a, this is definitely a fable that is told to people who try to like squander their gifts.
0: Yes. So it's like if you and en- if you're Pascal Fathoms, you know, and you and you, you know what I mean. He's really pushing the envelope here. He's really testing the universe yeah. by like fiddling with history. And if there's one person. Who knows a lot about history and a lot about the future? It's dusk sea breeze. So I think if you're if you're fucking around his neighborhood, which he totally was, I think he just nudged him like kind of you know uh, Odysseus kind of like you know blew the sails mm-hmm. and just pushed him onto that path, and now he just has this impossibly difficult task that he cannot escape because he cannot die.
1: I love it. Let me throw something at you though, because I've got an idea. Okay so that's the fable right the fable that is told is that dusk seabreeze is that the unseen eye did this as punishment okay let me throw you let me throw you something all right the the and that's almost entirely correct like all of that is is there and that is the story that is told is that he did it as punishment the truth is more complicated as truth always is dusk seabrees can see all of time can see past, present, and future, right? All all, all time is happening in the same time in the chrono flow. Yes. Which means Dusk sea Breeze can see what has happened in this post-apocalypse world. Yes. Can see that all of history is wiped, is washed away, is, is nothing. All of the great knowledge of, of civilization's past is gone. And can see that there is no hope, no light, no history, nothing. Dusk Seabreeze... Sent him to here. Sent him here, not as a punishment, but as a but as the one kind gesture in a lifetime of making people of miserable deeds. He gave the world history back. He sent he sent someone with the skill to rebuild history to a time when all of that was washed away. And it's not kind. It's not ni- It's not nicer kind to Pascal Fathoms. No. But to the to the broader world of the post apocalypse universe. He is he is giving them history and saying like, look, I can't make up for all the things I've done, but I can at least give you, I can at least give you hope and some, and history to build on. I can't do it directly, but I can put someone, I can put someone in front of you that has that skill and has the ability to like bring people into a scheme.
0: I like it. I really like that. So Dusk Seabreeze sends Pascal Fathoms to the future, basically. Yeah. It's so With the impossible task of, like, documenting and, like, telling the— getting the history of fantasy back together and teaching people it. Yeah. And, like, establishing the concept of history in a world with nothing.
1: But, yeah, and it's just like— Lay's like, I see I see how difficult everyone in this future has it. I see how much of a struggle it is to get—to survive— it would be easier had you had the lessons of the past, at least a fraction of them. I can put someone there that can take that can give you that. And for all that I've taken away, at least I can give people knowledge. This instead of taking knowledge away, at least this one time in my life I can give people knowledge.
0: Okay. So Pascal Fathoms. Let's talk about Pascal real quick. Okay. So, Pascal Fathoms Total little prince shitling from a really wealthy, incredible family based on preserving history and making amends and rebuilding, you know, doing better than we did in the past. Right. Mm -hmm. Disregards that for a life of basically being like Huck Finn. Right. Mm -hmm. And just like making a quick buck, being selfish and shit like that is sent to the future. Does he repent? You know, is he like, you know, we said he has this task. What's the consequence of not doing it? You know what I mean? How does he know he has to do it? Hmm. That's the thing. Because if you just wake up on the beach, you're like, fuck, I'm a million years in the future. Is he like, I have to rebuild? What is gained for him? You know, what's gained by Pascal Fathoms? Should he do this? Hmm. That's what I keep struggling with. What benefits him? Because if he tells, you know, if he rebuilds, does he have nothing? But if he rebuilds the history, will he gain his family's wealth and power back?
1: That's good. I like that.
0: You know, if he can prove to people that he comes from a noble lineage, will he regain his titles? Or is it noble?
1: I think it's both of those. Okay. And then I also think there's a third aspect to it.
0: Yes, please.
1: If he becomes the the head historian of the world's only, like, history research institute, that's power.
0: Yeah. Ooh. Like, that is a
1: pure-hearted power that he has. Yeah, he
0: is—sorry, like, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just mean to say, he has the power to, like, create history—anything. He could say anything.
1: Like, and and so we, people would look to him as someone important, and I think, to to a guy that's kind of an asshole, having people look up to you is— Kind of a big deal.
0: So it is noble. He is being good, he right?
1: Is, he, is, he is doing the job faithfully because he knows that – because he sees – he finally understands what's important about his family's work.
0: Go on. Tell me more about that.
1: So Just- he – because he, he – you know, he was told – it's like you said, the day on the docks, you know, he was told by his family, like, what we do is make sure that people remember the lessons of the past so they can build on them and they can make things – they can – each – every generation we can go a little, we can step a little further because we have the lessons of the past. And that is what the fathoms family does.
0: I dig it because this gives me the image of, uh, Pascal is kind of thrust into this position that he doesn't really want. Like he doesn't, he becomes basically like a leader, you know, because people Mm -hmm. are looking to him as someone who knows, you know, like, you know, it's a, it's a city, it's a world without guidance. You know, maybe he rebuilds moon crescent in the future. You know, maybe this history center is in Moon Crescent and yep. like he has to rebuild it from the ashes, you know, and people are looking to him as someone to guide them and to teach them like how to live again and how to like look to the past to look to like build the future. And he is the only sole person besides John Pierre out there in Delta doing God knows what, but like he's the only person who can really do this. And so he's thrust into a position that he doesn't want, which sucks. But I think he steps up to the job because the benefit for him is like is the ben- is that benefit good where it's like you can just get or is there something better? I feel like we can get something better that what would benefit him besides power. You know, is it knowing that his family is like happy with him? You know, is there was there always something a part of him back in the day being like you're squandering a gift? You know, has there always been a hint of guilt when he was doing dealings with families and shaping history of Moon Crescent like in a crooked way? Has there always been something nagging at him? And this is his one chance to change things. And now the responsibility is just the fate of the world is on your shoulders.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love the idea that he wakes up and is suddenly like, well, crap, I get it now. Now it's on me to like make my family make make this make my house proud.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because if he came, if he woke up in future Moon Crescent, which is like nothing, and was like, "Excuse me, you know, can you show me you know where where is house fathoms?" And they're like, "I have literally no idea what you're talking about, you know, and like he has nothing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, it would be like, "All right, I have to teach people or something. I have to find proof of what the world was. Yeah, sick.
1: I love it, and, I, and I, I like that it's a little bit of a face turn, right? Like, it's a little bit of him being like, okay, I wasted, I wasted my life, I've been given another chance, even with impossible odds, I can finally make right what I squandered a long time ago.
0: And real quick, I have to say, not real quick, but his personal life has to be brought up, because he's immortal and he watches all his friends die. Mm-hmm. What is his life outside of Historian? You know, is it normal, You know, is he is does he become like a leader? You know, does he the in the future of Moon Crescent, say, you know, he runs the the historical society and does he have like, you know, children and stuff? Or is this just like friends and he watches generations of people die and new ones rise? He's kind of like damned to watch the city build brick by brick, you know? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And is that a curse? Like, is that bad? Does he see fantasy get like revitalized? Does he live to see John Pierre like do the damn thing?
1: yeah, do- I think he does, and I think that there's I think there's a bittersweet part to it as well. I think there's a bittersweet aspect of like growing watching your friends grow old for him. it's like watching people it's it's tragic right it all it never stops hurting, yeah, but there's also a beauty of like imagine getting to see someone. Complete their life, like start their life's work and finish their life's work, and getting to step back and say, "Like I watched, I watched you make every piece of this."
0: Yeah, it's the weight of that, like the the reality of seeing generations of people born and then grow up, see what they accomplish. He's sort of like the father, fo- like you know, everyone's like dad in mm-hmm. this scenario, you know, where. He's known by thousands of people, then, as, like, he's just the leader of the historical society. And, like, everyone knows him. Like, he's just the guy.
1: He's, he is, he is the old, the the old guy in the office that, like, just seems to live for this job, but, like, is always kind of, like, just chatting with people. And, like, learning their stories and, like, listening to people, listening to people talk about things he has no idea about.
0: That what you just said is super important because if he's talking to people and like learning about them, I think a big part of it is like, hey, like you have gifts and you have a life. Like don't waste that. Mm -hmm. You know, a long time. He probably makes the joke like when I was a young man, you know, I thought that history was unimportant. I thought that learning from my mistakes, you know, and learning from the mistakes of the past was a joke, was something to be exploited. But it's, it's real. And... You know, and it's important to see who you were, you know, understand that you might have had flaws and may have had difficult times and may have done some dickish shit. But it's important that you grow from that and that you spread that growth to others and encourage others because, you know, I think he, he's very honest where he's like, the city was built on this, you know, on that principle.
1: Can I throw a, a wild-ass idea out there? Yes, please. Just bonkers to the wall? Yes. Because I described him as an old guy in the office. Yeah. Let me throw, I've got an idea, like, I kind of like the idea of him periodically appearing as very old. Yes. So I want to throw you a a real hard idea. Okay. What if he gets old, dies, and then wakes up at 25 on the beach, like, the next day? Like, time continues, time continues to move forward, but he wakes up, he wakes up 25 on that beach again the next day. Yeah. And he has to basically start his life over again and again and again but in in a literal representation of the metaphor of his work he is every time starting it a little further along because he has rebuilt a little of this history
0: yeah again
1: and and again and again
0: he gets to you know he has to watch the people his friend you know he has to outlive his friends but You know, he's starting this journey with himself as well, as corny as that sounds. Mm -hmm. You know, he gets the experience of a previous life of like, you know, the equivalent of 75 years in our world to like, you know, experience things and learn things and pass that on to people. So I think he understands that after the first time, I think he understands the responsibility of passing down stuff from generation to generation. This is rough. This is like the vulture eating the liver. You know what I mean? Over and mm-hmm. over again.
1: This is some wild shit. But there's but there's kind of a beauty in it, right? Like he's like I said, he gets to watch he gets to watch generations build their life's work. He gets to watch people fuck up and fail and try again. And where he works this job forever.
0: And I think he finds it to be beautiful because I think he thinks I wasted my first life. You know, I didn't watch anything. All I did was cause chaos and I just coasted by. I never, I missed everything. But now I get to watch thousands of people grow up and experience, let's see what this world has to offer. And now my question for you next is, does it finish? Does he like rebuild the city? Like where, you know, whatever version of it, like, you know, he gets to look down and be like, this looks pretty good.
1: That's a real good question. I almost prefer it if we don't know.
0: I I have a pitch for you. It's very big. I was hoping you'd say you don't know. Because this this person who is, you know, based on a life of kind of like redemption and more of like learning about yourself and really Mm -hmm. like Mm self-reflection over mm -hmm. thousands of years, that's a lot of weight. And I told you before that I had a second prompt for you, Jeff. Yeah, hit me. It is from Observer138, you know. The friend of the show, sure. Friend of the show and reigning champ of like some of the dopest prompts. A mysterious castle appears when the stars are right, never in the same place, and its ruler selects a new confederate. So, what I'm thinking this is my big ass pitch for you, Jeff. Pascal Fathoms has lived countless not lives because i think it's it's still the same him
1: it's still the same life yeah
0: yeah and he learns about new people and meets new people every single time and grows as a person and you know he's been successful in teaching people about what moon crescent was and you know how we can do better than the information wars of old and you know how we we don't have to be petty and things like that right and there's just one time when he wakes up on the beach and it's a little different this time. I think usually the sun is shining. You know, he hears the same rhythmic bird, like, arr, 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 every single time, and that shakes him awake. This one time, there's nothing. It's nighttime, and it's clear, and there's stars. And something kind of is coming downward from the sky. Jeff, I think that he goes on to live with uh, Empress Plasmagore.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I dig that. <laughs> oh, okay, <I> heard. okay. <laughs> I like, oh, yeah, all right. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> because I'm Whatever. seeing.
0: Because I'm seeing that, like, we've created this person who's like lived this existence of like it, it's pretty painful to be honest. Like, as much as he is accomplishing, he has to like hold the hand of everyone he's ever known and like watch them fade away and known that when he does... and you know, the thought of someone holding my hand as I drift off, you know, and knowing that I'm just going to wake up on this beach is a lot. This is like some heavy shit. And so I think like it's starting, it weighs on him. It has to weigh on him. It's, it sounds like this great task of like, I'm going to, you know, remake history and stuff, but the personal aspect of this. It
1: is a tremendous personal cost.
0: Oh my goodness. Like just knowing that nothing you're doing personally matters ever. It's just for everyone else. You know, it's uh, all these things that you're doing. You're doing this for the betterment of future generations because you're just going to die. Everyone will forget what you did. No one will forget what you did, but you kind of just have to start all over again Mm -hmm. and, like, keep working. It's a life of, it's almost like Sisyphus of, like, you roll the hill up, it just rolls back, right back down. You got to start all over again. And, like, there is a goal, sort of. So I've been thinking this whole time of an elf who, you know, outlives all their friends. And I thought of an immortal who's kind of searching the cosmos for just like an experience and you know, lives a life of loneliness.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I thought of what if Empress Plasmagor like, I don't know, comes to fantasy, sees him, I don't know or just like No,
1: I think that's uh, yeah. I mean, she's she's on a sightseeing tour, right? Yeah, like absolutely. she just goes and does things. And I think she happens to she happens to meet him and They get to talking, and he lets, like, she lets slip that she's immortal, he lets slip that he's immortal, and they just kind of go off together.
0: Because I see it as almost like, this is the Undying Lands moment at the end of Lord of the Rings, yeah. where it's like, an immortal person cannot, this doesn't work. It's too much for, you know, it's too much for Pascal. You know, after the hundredth time, I'd be like, enough, I don't want to wake up. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't keep doing this. Uh, Is that when it like stops when he joins as Empress Plasmagor? Or is that when he's finally like, you know, when he leaves fantasy and he's just like on this sightseeing tour of experiencing life? Is that when he doesn't wake up or is he okay to be immortal with Empress Plasmagor just like hanging out?
1: I think he's continues to be immortal. But I think it is that that he is finally done working. He had an eternity of work. And now it's time for an eternity of relaxation. Yeah. Of seeing things that he could never imagine.
0: I tried to think of something that, like, counters the Dusk Seabreeze Sisyphus thing. And it would be, like, it would have to be divine intervention of, like, someone coming and, like, finding you, you know, and you just kind of get to talking. Like, just, I I see, like, a vampire woman sitting on a beach and, like, you know, sees this man and walks over to him and, like, they just get to talking. I don't know. Like the details of this, I feel like I'm just leaving are too like shallow, but no, it might, that might be okay.
1: I think it's okay. I think that the 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 point is like he encounters this other being that has the same blessing and same curse that he has, and together they're like, okay, well this settles the pr- this solves the problem. Yeah, Let's it's hang.
0: It does solve the problem because if you know. W- I don't know. I'm thinking about this a lot, and it's making me very sad. I've thought of, like, leaving. You've been spending, like, a thousand years, ten lifetimes, you know, with people rebuilding a world, and then you're like, I can't do it anymore. Like, the weight of that decision is so great that it almost makes me sad.
1: It makes me sad, too, but there's also a beauty of it of, like, how many times has he watched someone else reach that moment where they've looked at their life's work and said, I'm done?
0: Oh, man, the envy
1: Exactly. And so finally, like, he gets this ticket off world, basically, he gets this ticket to leave everything behind. And he can finally, after so many times waking up on that beach, look out and say, Yeah, okay, that's it. It's done. And, you know, every 50 years, he does wake up again on the beach and Plasmagor's (laughs) got to zip back and like (laughs) scoop him up.
0: Thank you. I was trying to figure out a way to make it stupid. But yeah, she has to make a quick Yui every single time he dies.
1: Every, like, 50 years, it's like, uh, goodbye. God damn it. All
0: Uh, right. All right. Spins the car around. Throws the... (laughs) Does the body fade away or does she have to throw it out into space?
1: (laughs) Uh... I think the body has to fade away, but I do love the visual of it getting thrown into space.
0: This is a sad story, Jeff. It's like this person has been pun is okay, so my question for you is we've talked a lot, and I wanna I do wanna roll on tables real quick. We haven't done that in a minute, if that's possible. Yeah. Is Dusk Seabreeze an asshole for doing this?
1: I I really truly don't think so. And I don't think and furthermore, I don't think that. I don't think Pascal thinks so.
0: Does Pascal know that it was Dusk's sea breeze? I
1: love the idea that he eventually figures it out.
0: Ooh, that's cool. As he's that's digging cool. through
1: history. Maybe, yeah. after, maybe after Dusk has died. You know, Dusk dies. We've established that Dusk is going to die.
0: Oh, yeah, duh. I forgot Falconville kills him.
1: And so I think I think he does eventually find the historical evidence that like dusk did this. Okay, and I don't think Pascal necessarily like blames him. No, because I think he has seen the world before he started his work, and he sees the world now, and he says, "Okay, I I I hate your fucking guts for everything that you've put me through and taken from me. But if I were in your shoes, I wouldn't have done it differently." Absolutely. I
0: I could not agree more because if it's almost like once dusk sea breeze is burned away by the light of Ignatius, an entire world of secrets would be revealed, mm-hmm. and then it would be like, all right, this this all makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I yeah, get it, and I don't blame you. You know, I you think were the, thinking in self preservation.
1: And the end of all things, like he's like, look, you took everything from me. You 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 sentenced me to a lifetime of misery. But I don't know if but had i been in your shoes and seen the world that i woke up in i don't know if i could have done it differently i don't know if i could have i don't know if doing it differently would have i see the result of of how you played it out and i don't know if i had if i had done it differently i don't know if it had played out that way
0: this is someone who's really matured jeff
1: yeah he grew up
0: damn that's some shit after countless lifetimes do you want to roll on a table
1: (laughs) yeah Let's roll out some tables. I got the Charlotte and Tables of D&D 5th edition. Give me a D6 for his favorite scam. (laughs) Hold on. Yes, D6.
0: It's been a minute. I'm so happy.
1: Favorite scam. Six. I'm so glad you rolled a six because it's I convince people that worthless junk is worth their hard-earned money. Oh, shit.
0: That's so mean, though.
1: He's still. Well, I think here's the thing. He has grown up so much and done so much good for the world, that sometimes I think he does just come to somebody with a tire and he's like this tire
0: used to be this was a part of an airship of moon crescent a thousand years ago like there were never airships in no there were
1: i'm holding the tire you see this tire and they're like it's worth well, a fortune he does have a tire there's some things he just sometimes fucking does it for no reason because he doesn't need the money so it's just the thrill of hustling someone is yeah just too great
0: i mean eventually you're gonna have to have some fun I mean you're gonna you know you're gonna have to do it again. So like the fourth time, I'd be like, yeah, and this comb used to comb the Royal Dog. And it's like it was just a comb. It was a mustache comb.
1: So you said have to do it again, and I do I think I wanna clarify something. Are we saying that he time moves forward even when he wakes up, right? Yes. Okay, I just want to make sure we're on the same page about that. Like, he's oh, not, no, he's not mean, a like, groundhog day. I
0: meant do it again is in, like, you got to fucking go back to becoming the history teacher. Yeah,
1: <laughs> You have to, like, re reclimb the corporate ladder every oh, time. Because, like, the God. organization stays in place, but he has to, like, start from the bottom and work his way up every so single time. That
0: is so miserable. Oh, like, the reality of this, of, like, starting in the mailroom and, like, becoming CEO... Life after life after life.
1: Well, I think after the fifth time, he gets it down pat. Oh, yeah. Here's what, because here's what happens after, like, about the sixth or seventh time. He starts leaving a will that leaves the company to, like, his nephew. So smart. Which is taken from the 1987 film Highlander starring Christopher Lambert and Sean Connery. (laughs) Uh, He writes a will to himself as a young man, and and every time just shows up, like, I guess this is my company now. All right, so here's what we're going to do in the fourth quarter. (laughs) Hold on. I unplugged my headphones while I was laughing.
0: I love that so much. So, so much.
1: So, all right. Give me a D8 for a personality trait. Uh,
0: D8. The
1: diamond. The diamond. Okay. Six. Sarcasm and insults are my weapon of choice.
0: I mean, he's once an asshole, always an asshole. Yeah, he's still an asshole. <laughs> yeah, like he's still rough about it. Like he will he teaches them the history. Like that's that might be his personal life. That's like, you know, he can't shake the fact that he is who he is. You yeah. know, you he, he can learn from your mistakes and still, like, keep your personality. You know, that's like a deeper life thing. Yeah. If you wake up and know you're immortal, like, I necessarily wouldn't be like, I better stop swearing and being so salty. Like, no, I'm just going to do it forever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Give me a D6 for an ideal. I like the these. De- I like the ideals here because there's no evil option. Oh, good! Which is ironic for the fact that it is a charlatan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got one, which is a moose.
1: Independence. I'm a free spirit. No one tells me what to do.
0: This is this is really quite. Pre- he still has the the spirit of a treasure hunter in him. Yeah, you know. I think every time he he comes back, you know, every time he starts his life again, he's kind of excited about. You know, new stuff that he might find. That spark yeah. never goes away. Of the the work never gets boring, right? Does that work. Yeah. No, I love that. Okay, good.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I, I I saw a thing that I'll go into. I'll tell you off. I'll tell you on air. But give me a D six for a bond. All righty. Six. I swindled and ruined a person who didn't deserve it. I seek to atone for my misdeeds, but might never be able to forgive myself. I have a thought. Hit me.
0: He's in the future. It's his life one, right? Mm -hmm. When he was young and he was, you know, conning and diving and doing his shit. What was his boy's name? Scoots McGavin? No, Scoots McGuffin. Scoots McGuffin. Um, Scoots McGuffin was part of the McGuffin family, which was like not that big a deal. You know, it was kind of small and he hung out with Pascal because it was cool. You know, oh my God, I get to hang out with like the Prince of the Fathoms family I think he fucked him over, and he finds in the future, like, evidence that his family did not turn out okay. Yeah. And he's like, I—wow. That might be what drives this whole fucking quest. It's like he finds a document, or like, he finds the coat of arms of the MacGuffin family, and like, it's been changed and warped, and like, no like there's been other takeovers, and he finds things that like, what, what he did to him, whatever it was that fucked his family over— And it did not end well for them. Yeah. Like, they lost everything. And that's kind of when, like, okay, I, okay, I have to kind of. I
1: need to make this right.
0: Yeah, I need to start using the gifts my family gave me to do for good, kind of. Because he's been using them for prickly hood.
1: All right. He gave me a d6 for a flaw. Oh, man. The biggest asshole we've ever (laughs) rolled. (laughs) The reason I was laughing earlier is because we've used this before. We've used this a few times before. Yeah. And, uh, the n- result number one, do you remember the live show that we did in Philadelphia, the Ember Inferna episode? Yes. With, uh, the clown detective?
0: Yes. Gumball result and Gumball. One,
1: result number one is I can't resist a pretty face, and it just <laughs> made me think in my head of them both of those two clowns both loving pretty faces.
0: <laughs> you can't get enough of them. You go up to a bar and it's like, hey, hey there, pretty.
1: <laughs> anyway, roll me extra D's X for a flaw. You got it. One moose. Aaron? (laughs) (laughs) Pascal Fathoms? I can't resist a pretty face.
0: Okay. So let's really talk about this then. What I'm going to translate that to then is he has significant other after, like he has partner after partner. Every time he finds, like, he gets, like, married. You know what I mean? Every life. Mm -hmm. You just can't. You can't resist it, Jeff. He knows how it's going to end. But, like, he still goes, he still chooses the
1: love. And what I will say is every part of it, every, every death is painful with the exception of the people that he loves because he knows that, like, he, like, the love that he shared with them is something that he will carry with it. That, like, it's the one time he's not, it's the one time he doesn't feel like that pain is because he's, like, he's able to, like, celebrate the love that they shared.
0: Yeah, and that life feels full. Is his yeah. work life only feels full after Plasmagor takes him, you know, accepts him? Mm-hmm. But the love life, I think, after every, every time he's holding their hand or he passes away first, he feels accomplished because he's like, I had a beautiful life with someone. I shared yeah. something with someone, and that history will be with me forever. And the my you know, and the effects that that love has made will last forever. Yeah. That's kind of, I mean, he becomes a really kind of cool character. Of He
1: becomes a good person. And he I does. Love
0: he grows a lot by, God, just living the roughest existence.
1: Yes. And that's a wrap on Pascal Fathom.
0: Wow. Pascal Fathom's went some places. Um, thank you very much, Mariella Lynn and Observer, for your prompts. They were good prompts. If you'd like to submit a prompt of your own for the show, there's so many ways you can do
1: it. Uh, there sure are. You can tweet at us at uh, amfc underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasychildren. You can post them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Children. You can email them to us at allmyfantasychildren at gmail.com. Uh, you can also post them to our discord at bit.ly slash amfc discord. That's amfc capital iscord, uh, d iscord, lowercase. Damn. I got you, baby. Uh, And you can also post them on our website at allmyfantasychildren.com.
0: Yes. Uh, While you're there, be sure to check out our Patreon page. Consider becoming a backer and you get access to sweet bonus features like early episode releases, bonus episodes of things like All My Fantasy Secrets, our behind-the-scenes peek at some of our favorite characters, and you also just a great way to financially support the show. Look at me. I did a concise thing. You sure did. (laughs) I'm growing. I'm growing up, too.
1: And then we talk about it for two minutes. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> you also can uh, you can also leave us a nice iTunes review. Tell a friend. Uh, send us a nice tweet saying you love the show. Any of those things help new people find the show, which helps us grow and do bigger, better, and cooler things. Uh, let's see what else. Verbal hug.
0: Um, we have to verbal hug. Unless you want to we, end on the verbal hug.
1: We end on we, we end on the verbal hug. Okay.
0: Um, Be sure to fill follow- us into Jeff's other podcast. God damn it.
1: Uh, Party of One <laughs> is an actual play, a podcast focused on two-player role-playing games. Every week I sit down with guests one-on-one to, uh, and we play through a short self-contained role-playing game session. Also, if you prefer your games more of the video variety, oh! uh, our friend Aaron Catano Saez has a Twitch stream that you should check out.
0: Ah, thank you. I was trying to figure out how to phrase it. So I've started streaming Yes, I've gotten into the craze all the teens are talking about. You can find me at twitch.tv slash Hero, all one word, like Mount Holly Hero uh and you can find me i'm playing fun games and i'm hanging out and you can play them with me hit me up give me a follow well but yeah i'm doing the thing now come on jump in
1: uh verbal hug this week verbal hug this week uh what do you got you got anything good
0: i do because this episode has got me my my noodle has got me got me thinking appreciate what you have um because unfortunately we don't get to wake up on the beach Mm -hmm. So I would never be one who's like, don't squander your talents, you know, go out there and create and do, you know, there's no need for that kind of pressure. But do take some time to smell the roses and, you know, feel the sun and really appreciate the good that happens in your day uh, and the people that are in it. Because Mm -hmm. unfortunately, you are running on borrowed time. I hate to be the first person to tell you this, but all this is quite temporary and it's beautiful and it's something that you should be cherishing and something that uh-huh. should make you feel good as opposed to not good.
1: <clears throat> no, I think that's fantastic. And like I'll take the harsher I'll take the harder stance and say like whether they are creative, personal, professional, political or otherwise there are things that you have, things about you, the things Gifts that you have that are beautiful and wonderful and make the world a better place, don't squander those. Like, appreciate them for the beauty that the beauty that they are and the the joy that they bring to the world, and use them. Yeah. Whether they don't—you know, it's part be- of that is—sorry, oh, go ahead. No, go
0: ahead. It's because they, they have value. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're saying, like, that they have—that they're important and stuff, and it's because they have value. Like, you might not think— that the things that you do are changing the world and they have value, and like, you know, only six people read my tweet or watched my YouTube video. Like, no, it's those six people, that might mean the world to them. You know, yeah. it's everything has value that you do. Literally fucking everything.
1: And so don't And it's it's half self awareness of like realize and love the things about you that change the world in whatever big or small way they all like every change meanings is meaningful and then go out and do that like go out and use those gifts to the best of your ability to boost to lift up the lives around you
0: yeah i'm thinking about pascal fathoms and i'm getting like i'm like this is deep because this is exactly Mm -hmm. what we're talking about in the episode where it's like someone realizes a little too late that like i squandered everything I could have just been <clears throat> passing the history of my family down, and or just lifting people up, but I didn't. And like you know, Fathoms gets the opportunity to redo it. But take your time to lift people up and do some good in the world because everything you do has value, has, has merit, has weight, you know, has consequence. So make sure that they are good benefits and good consequences and things like that.
1: Yeah, and I think that's I think that's a wrap on the episode. Yeah. So until next time. Good night night, and good good game. game.